Hello and welcome into NCBI's Technology Podcast. My name is Stuart Lawler and this is episode number 71 for April 2018. And happy Easter, and uh, thank you for tuning in to our monthly technology podcast. Hope you're going to stay with us. We're with you for a little over 41 minutes this month, because I'll be telling you about some changes that we've been making to our podcast, which will make it easier for you to move between different sections. And Marie Costello from Child Vision is with me to talk about our joint exhibition in May, and uh, we're very excited about that. Amy Hines Fitzpatrick has launched, or indeed relaunched, her blog. She's here to tell us all about it. Sharon Lyons is continuing her Windows shortcuts and Fanula Murphy, our Head of Communications, will be here to talk about accessible voting. That's all coming up on this month's edition of NCBI's Technology Podcast. Well, thank you as always for downloading and subscribing to our monthly technology podcast. Welcome in. Hope you've had a good month and hope you're looking forward to uh, the start of spring. It's been incredibly cold here in Ireland and a bit dreary over the last couple of weeks. Uh, We had another bit of snow midway through March. So, uh, you know, I think we're all hoping at this stage for a bit of spring-like weather and maybe even some sun as well and some summer at some point. Uh, Anyway, there you go. If you want to get in touch with us, uh, send an email to technologypodcast at ncbi.ie or you can call our comment line on 018821930. If you're dialing from outside of Ireland, it's uh, your international dialing code plus three five three one eight eight two one nine three zero. And remember, we may use some of the comments that we receive on future podcasts. I'm always conscious that there's lots of people who tune in who may never get in touch, and I never take that for granted. So thank you to everybody who takes time to download and listen to our podcast every month, and I'm glad it is of use to you. And, you know, when I'm listening to podcasts, sometimes not everything on a podcast is of use to me, and uh, I've no doubt it is the same for people listening to this podcast. Something that was on my mind for a little while, and I have to say it's not just me, because other podcasters I've been talking to have been to, have been doing are looking at ways of doing this as well, was to introduce a way by which you could skip through different sections of the podcast. So maybe you're just dying to go straight to Sharon's shortcuts. Uh, you could go and do that without having to listen to me rabbiting on for a couple of minutes. Um, so if you want to do that from now on, or if you want to skip to any particular part of our podcast, I'm delighted to announce that we've just implemented, starting from this month, the technology within our podcast to allow you to do that. Now, I should add that this is only available on podcast applications that support podcast chapters. And not all applications do. So, for example, one of them that I'm aware of that does is the Downcast app for iOS. And there are others. The native Apple podcast app sadly doesn't support podcast chapters at the moment. And I actually use that. The reason I use it is because I sync my podcasts between my phone and my Apple TV. So I like to be able to, you know, maybe continue listening to something on the stereo in the living room with the Apple TV that I might have started on the phone. 
If you have Downcast, though, and I think there are some offerings on Android as well, you can use podcast chapters from this month and you can skip between different sections of this podcast. If you like this feature, please let us know. It's something I'd like to try for the next couple of months. If people aren't too pushed about it either way, we'll probably stop doing it because there is an extra piece of work for us before we can produce the podcast to make these chapters work. So if it's something people find useful, please send us an email, technologypodcast at ncbi.ie or call our comment line on 01882 Now, last month I mentioned this great technology exhibition that we're very excited to be running with our friends and colleagues at Child Vision National Education Centre for Visually Impaired Children. And we're doing this on the 9th and 10th of May. And if you remember on the last edition, I said to you, we will have more information on the April edition of our podcast. Well, to tell us more, I'm delighted to be joined on the line by the coordinator of the Family Resource Centre in Child Vision. That's Anne-Marie Costello. Anne-Marie, welcome to our technology podcast. You're very welcome, Stuart. I'm delighted to be able to um, talk to you this morning. We're very excited about this exhibition because it's been a couple of years, I know, within Child Vision or maybe when you were St. Joseph's, you were involved in the uh, Seeing Better Ireland events. We've been running um, as NCBI a number of technology exhibitions around the country. But now we're kind of coming together to do something that's quite new. Isn't that right? Absolutely. Yeah, this is going to be a nationwide event. Uh, as I say, Child Vision National Education Centre for Blind Children, along with yourselves, NCBI, are going to um, have a two-day exhibition enabling education path- educational pathways in digital literacy. So it's, it's, it's open to everybody. It's held at the, at the National uh, um Education Centre in Child Vision in their conference centre and it will run on May 9th and on May 10th. On May 9th it opens at 12 noon and runs until uh, 7pm that evening enabling those who are in the workplace to attend after work or during lunchtime or or whatever and then on May 10th, Thursday May 10th it will run from 10 o'clock to three o'clock in the afternoon. Um, there are we're, we're absolutely delighted that we have such a response to it. We have 10 exhibitors um, from the UK and from Ireland uh, coming uh, to us on, on those days. And they're actually going to run concurrent workshops along with their exhibitions. So there'll be interactive uh, workshops taking place concurrently along with the exhibition. Um, so it'll be an exciting couple of days. So we're really looking forward to it. Definitely. And and the and I think the workshops idea is really good because people generally meet up on, on at the stands and look at a product, but maybe don't get the chance to really get into the detail of the product or hear more about what it can do. So this is a chance to sit in a more uh, maybe informal presentation style session and speak to the exhibitors maybe one to one afterwards. Absolutely. And I think I, I think the exhibitors are all like, delighted with the opportunity of the workshop because what they're going to do is essentially showcase their latest technology and their latest assistive um, software to, to, the, to, to the patients at, at the exhibition. So that could be a really interactive opportunity for everybody involved. Um, what, what's wonderful about this also, Stuart, is that the admission is free. So you can attend at any time, both days, either day, and um, lunches and snacks are available at our on-site cafe at Child Vision. So um, it's a really exciting opportunity for everybody. Um, in terms of in terms of booking, also, it's that the event can be booked on Eventbrite. Uh, so it's www.eventbrite.com, and um, so you can book your workshops and your your exhibition on that on that. Um, 
on that uh, um, site. Okay, and I should also add that within the social media, within NCBI and Child Vision, and indeed on our websites, there are direct links to um, the Eventbrite booking page where you can confirm your attendance. Anne-Marie, one thing people often ask when they're attending things like this, you know, what's going to happen when I get there? Are there sighted guides? You know, how, how will people get around? Absolutely, yeah. What we, what we will do is, as we, as we know our numbers in terms of our attendees, we will um, make contact with people or they will make contact with us and we'll arrange like a guide for those that that requires. That's, that's an absolute given. What, what I didn't say to you, Stuart, and I, and I might just give you a flavour of, 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 uh, of the exhibitors who, who will be coming to us. We have Bristol Braille Technology, we have Gate Vision, Dolphin Systems, Enhanced Vision, Vision Aid Technologies, Humanware, Sight and Sound Technologies, and then obviously yourselves, NCBI, and ourselves, Child Vision, will also be exhibiting and, and, and um, uh, participating in workshops yeah. as well. And if anybody is looking for further details, then all they have to do is contact myself and Marie Costello at 018373635 or at the, um, the email address. Or as you said yourself, Stuart, um, both your, uh, the, the NCBI website and the Child Vision website and Facebook page has all the uh, um, link, links to the Eventbrite page. So, so it's very, very easy to uh, actually involve yourself in this exhibition. Absolutely. And as you went through the list of exhibitors there, I mean, there are, it's really covering a very broad spectrum of technology. And I know that you and I and some other colleagues have been working on this since January. So we're very excited yeah. to be able to kind of announce it and really tell people about it now. And we're very much looking forward to something that's only about five weeks away now. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think after Easter now, the, 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 the run-in will be, will be, you know, the lead-in will be, will be quite... Uh, would be quite quick and, and we're very excited about it. Also, may I say, Stuart, that it is open to all age groups. Um, so, so if you have a child with, with a visual impairment and you're living remotely from Dublin or whatever and you want to, to, to come along, there's, there's accommodation available in, in local areas and, and that. So please, you know, everybody can be involved, uh, parents along with children, along with professionals and, and um, adults, uh, anyone involved that, that wishes to, to, to find out more about uh, enabling educational pathways to digital literacy. All right, listen, Anne-Marie, thanks so much for taking the time. We're very excited and look forward to seeing you at the exhibition. But for the moment, thanks a million. You're very welcome. Thank you, Stuart. Now, it's always exciting to hear when visually impaired people do something new and... uh, somewhat um, attention-grabbing, I suppose, maybe. And this one certainly grabbed my attention a couple of weeks ago because our good friend, my good friend and colleague, Amy Hines Fitzpatrick, set up, or I think relaunched is the more correct word, her blog, Through the Eyes of a VIP. And Amy joins me today. Amy, you're welcome back. And it's nice to be here just to talk about you. Oh, thanks a million, Stuart. It's all about you today. (laughs) It's the Amy show. (laughs) It's the Amy show. It's the Amy brand, isn't it? It is. That's the brand that I'm trying to build. Okay. Um, Through the Eyes of a VIP, this, this was out before, wasn't it? It was. I started the blog when I was back in college in the University of Limerick. And I think the reason I started it really was I had an awful lot of questions around, you know, the practicalities of sight loss and things like, you know, fashion and makeup and simple little things like technologies or navigation systems and stuff like that that I just couldn't find the information easily enough. So I decided that what I was going to do was I was going to publish the information with my voice and my opinions. Um, 
on, on all those different kind of activities. So I set it up in college when I started working. I didn't have time to keep going with it. Um, so I took down the site. But a couple of weeks ago, I decided to launch it again because a few people had asked me uh, what had happened to the content and would I consider doing it. I've been subscribed to it since it was launched. I'm, I'm kind of really interested to read the stuff that was in on the RSS. And one of the things you were talking about early on, you went out to, I think we'll give them a plug, a Thai restaurant called Dieppe down the road from us here, which we love. And you were talking about the menu being available uh, online. You were just talking about strategies of how you access menus as somebody who's visually impaired. Yeah, it's really practical, simple bits and pieces that I guess if you don't sit down and really think about it, um, you're probably not going to think of those strategies and they're not readily available. Um, so Dieppe, yeah, I'm actually going to be recording a video, video there tonight with a friend of mine. I'm interviewing her about travelling with the VIP. But um, I go there quite regularly. But I think the reason I started going there was that the menu was online. Um, and for me, it's so much nicer to be able to access that independently without my 50 million gadgets. So I can just read it on my phone in advance or while I'm sitting there and order independently. Um, it's really, really simple. And a lot of restaurants are migrating online for SEO purposes. So it makes it really easy for everyone. Clothes and fashion is another topic I know you've been, you've been blogging about. Getting your clothes ready for the weeks, you were, for the week ahead, you were kind of talking about strategies and things you do on a Sunday evening. And it struck me there are things that, like, I was reading it and going, I can identify with this. And I, I would say as well, people maybe with low vision, and maybe ladies with low vision in particular, were probably reading it going, I could do this maybe differently after reading what you said. So it strikes me as a, it's a really open and honest glimpse into your life. It is 100%. As I said, it's just those practical strategies. Um, and it's easier, I guess, if someone shows you a template of how it works. Um, what works for me definitely won't work for other people. And I'm obsessed with clothes and fashion. So obviously, that's something that I'm going to be focusing on uh, quite heavily in it. But again, just that, that ability to be that little bit more organized or to plan stuff and have kind of like a framework around it for you to use it yourself is really important. Now, I know you want to, or you, you have already been involving other people in the blog. So it's not quite all about Amy. It's the Amy show with guests. Uh, um, so I was very, I, and I, by the way, I was honored to be part of that. And those, those little video blogs where you're talking to people who are also visually impaired by different aspects of life. Is that the idea? It is. So it's people who um, are visually impaired themselves or it's people who have a close connection to someone who's visually impaired. So while I have some information that I think is really, really valuable, I don't know at all. So it's really important for me to be able to tap into people like yourself, Stuart, um, to bring you onto the blog to chat about maybe technology in your case and what's going on there. Or a friend of mine, you know, let's talk about travelling with a visually impaired person um, or sporting events. So I'd love to hear from other people um, who would like to be featured on it. Um, sport is definitely a big topic that I'm going to be doing. Mobility, transport, uh, cooking as well. I'm a terrible cook, but I do like my food. So if people want to come onto the blog, I'd love to interview them. And that's the other thing, I suppose, because blogs really, as they as they gain in numbers and subscribers, people start to comment. And I'm sure you want to see those comments coming in and the replies and the sharing of information. A hundred percent. You know, good, bad or indifferent. I'm, I'm just restarting the blog. So every bit of feedback is valuable to me. And if I'm doing something really well, I'd love to hear it or if there's something I can improve on or content I haven't covered. Um, it's really important for people to tell me that. I was contacted by a lovely lady who has a really tiny, beautiful little girl who's 18 months old, who's visually impaired. And she was just asking me different strategies that she could implement, you know, in the upbringing of her child's life. Um, and what my parents did when I was younger. So things like that is really important. It helps me form my content. And it, it, it really strikes me, and it struck me as I was looking at this in the last couple of weeks, 
you know, we can look at loads of stuff in the internet. We can look at websites on different eye conditions. We can look at a lot of the official websites of organizations. This is one person's story and one person's way of getting through life it just as an ordinary person. And, and there's kind of nothing can beat that, I think. Yeah, you know, it's it's nothing amazing or glittery or glamorous. Um, my friend Colette actually had a great description for it and she was calling the blog, you know, the description was the crack in the chaos of a visually impaired person's life. And I think that describes it. It's it's at times painfully honest, the blog. But I think, you know, you run into funny situations and it's important to share that with other people so they're, they know they're not alone when they walk into a door or they lock themselves out of the house because they forget their keys in the office. So listen, most importantly, people have heard you, they want to get on, want to read it, see these videos, how can they do it? So you can follow the blog on Facebook. Uh, you just type in Through the Eyes of a VIP. The URL is through the eyes of a vip.com and if you want to email me um, to say you want to be on the blog or you have some feedback it's a-m-i-e-v-i-p at gmail.com all right and we will put the link direct link to the blog on the show notes for this episode so you can click right away and check it out amy well done great initiative and look forward to talking to you again soon thanks a million Stuart. listening to NCBI's technology podcast for April 2018. And if you think my audio sounds different and if my voice sounds a little bit different, you'd be correct because I'm recording from my office using the power of the Zoom meeting platform. I'm delighted to have on the other end of Zoom somewhere in County Kildare, Sharon Lyons for another series of Sharon's Shortcuts. Sharon, welcome back. Hi, Stuart. How are you? I'm very good. I actually, sorry, I think this is our first time using Zoom. I've used it for a little while for other interviews. I don't think with Mm -hmm. you, we were using Skype and now we have Zoom, which is a new meeting platform we're using as part of our virtual technology club. And of course, there's one of the things we like about it is it's probably a lot more instantaneous than Skype, isn't it? It is. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Sometimes Skype kind of, if you're both talking at the same time, it kind of cuts out one of us. (laughs) Yeah. This is definitely a lot better. Um, so that's what we've been using. Uh, or that's what we are using today to record this. And only because I'm sitting in my office and not in my studio, we had to do a slightly different way, but I hope it won't detract from the quality too much. Sharon, great to have you back and great to be continuing the exploration of our Windows keys. Yes, indeed. Yes. We were planning to do two a month, weren't we, to try and catch up with the, the weekly shortcut and Absolutely. give you a bit more, a bit more details on on each one the um, emails are quite short aren't they let's just say here press press windows in this letter and this is what it does they are (laughs) but they're really good because i'm finding with the emails that there's things i had forgotten about and then i'm reading the email and i'm saying oh that's what that key does and I'm mm. realizing I must, you know, use that. Um, so I, I'm finding those and I'm saving them all into a folder so I can kind right. of go back through them at any time. So they're great. Um, and today we're going to look at the Windows key with letter C and Windows with letter D. Yes. Uh, D is a throwback to, I think it might even be Windows 98, I think. Wow, is it that far? It's, it's gone back a long time. But anyway, we'll come to that in a minute, I'm sure. Yes, indeed. So... Windows C is for Cortana in Windows 10. Um, And most of these, actually, a lot of these Windows shortcuts, like um, some of them, like you say, have been around for a while. 
but um, a lot of them are to do with new stuff in Windows 10 and possibly Windows 8. Um, and Cortana is one of those new kind of new and improved things. And it's basically Siri for Windows. So if you're familiar with Siri, uh, I'm sure you use, do you use Siri a lot? I, I, I do, I, not, probably not as much as I'm now playing with things like the Amazon Echo, but yeah, I, right. I, I do use Siri sometimes for dictation. Um, and Cortana is kind of interesting because I haven't used it to any uh, degree that, that I have mm. Siri. So I'm kind of interested to hear how, how you get on with it. Yes, now, um, when I did this shortcut on the email shortcut of the week, I got a few people come back to me and say, um, my Cortana isn't working. How do I get Cortana to work? And um, so I, I actually had to struggle to get it to work on my laptop. And with uh, some investigation, we found that it likes the language set to England, English United Kingdom, and that seemed to help it to work. It also likes you to be signed in with a Microsoft account, so um, not everything will work with Cortana, or it might actually, when you ask it to do something, it might say sign in if you're not signed in already. Um, but that's a few of the kind of uh, issues that people have when they actually go to use Cortana and it doesn't work. Um, now, can I show you just some Cortana settings? Yeah. Actually? Um, oh, I haven't checked the volume of my computer. Oh, and as we always say, I am using Windows 10 and I have NVDA with a different voice and there's a reason for that. So I'm using NVDA at the moment. So if I do Windows. Start window. Cortana Gosh. window. Search box edit. Now, can, can you hear him okay? That sounds good. Good Sounds wow. good here. Okay. So I am going to type in. Um, Cortana. Hey, Cortana and search settings. All right. System settings one of eleven. And that's what I wanted. Cortana and search settings. So I press enter on that. Settings. Talk to Cortana. Okay. Settings window. And I'm just going to tab through these just to give you an idea of how I've got it set up. So. Check the microphone link. There's an option to check the microphone, but I think it only checks it if. It's not working, so it kind of it asks you, well, have you already tried it, you know? So I, I didn't really, I didn't actually need to, to use that because it was working fine. Um, and then if I tab again. Let Cortana respond to Hey Cortana toggle button not press. So let Cortana respond to Hey Cortana. So this is a bit like, um, you know, uh, I'm just trying to think before I say Alexa, if there's an echo in the room, but there's not. <laughs> um, so it's a bit like saying, um, you can set this up. It's off at the moment, but I, I've switched it off for a specific reason. Because if you do have that switched on, the respond to Hey Cortana, it actually uses more battery. It's kind of constantly listening. So it tends to use more battery on a mobile device if you have respond to hey cortana switched on so if i go to the next setting let cortana listen for my commands when i press the windows logo key plus c toggle button press and it should have a little yeah it should have something after that saying this is for sharon's shortcuts <laughs> so there is a setting to say 
let me use the Windows key and C to switch on Cortana, basically, to get her listening. And I have that switched to on. Actually, let me just check. Let Cortana respond to Hey Cortana toggle button not press. Yeah, so that's off. Let Cortana listen for my commands when I press the Windows logo key plus C toggle button press. So that's on. Okay. Um, and if I keep going down. Export, learn more link. Combo box English. United Kingdom. Here's a language setting that I have set to English, United Kingdom. So I don't think Cortana will work unless that is set. Um, and one of the things about Windows 10 settings that I just can't get used to is there's no save or OK button or anything. <laughs> have you noticed that, Stuart? Yeah, and it's amazing. And, and similar to you, I found it a bit a bit disconcerting, I think, in the beginning. Yeah, um, yeah. You, so you, you just do Alt F4 and it, it does save. You just trust it. So Alt F4, hopefully that's okay. Right, so what can I ask Cortana now? Let's uh, get ready. Um, and the, there's one little issue with this actually. Um, if you have a screen reader running, the screen reader, well, NVDA in this case, um, tries to read what's going on with Cortana as well. So you end up with two voices and I keep pressing the control key because then Cortana starts listening to NVDA and it all gets a bit confusing. Um, so I am going to ask her the weather, I think. So if I do Windows C. Cortana window. What's the weather like? It's mostly cloudy and nine degrees with cloudy skies and a high of 10 degrees in the forecast. Very good. So okay. and I can I, I see what you mean about Cortana about uh, NVDA rather reading the mm -hmm. or trying to read the window at the same time. Mm -hmm. So I guess if and I don't know where this feature is in NVDA, but uh, I guess if your screen reader had a feature to temporarily mute speech, um, yeah. knowing JAWS, there is a feature to, to do that. Um, and I'm sure there is something similar in NVDA. I'm sure people listening will email us in. Um, yes. Then you. I can't could, remember what it is actually. Yeah, and I can't either. Then you could temporarily mute. NVDA, while it's you don't have to unload it, you could use your your Cortana, and then load NV, uh, or switch on your speech again. Mm -hmm. um, should we try something else just while we're here? Yeah. So each time I'm doing Windows and C rather than saying Hey Cortana, which I kind of like because it gives me control over um, when Cortana is listening to me. So uh, Windows C. C. What is the time in Perth, Australia? Cancel. It's 23.25 in Perth. Very okay, good. Middle of the night, right. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Windows and C, as we say, for Cortana. And uh, as you mentioned, Sharon, having the English UK, uh, rather having your language set to English UK will help. And as you mentioned as well, maybe a Microsoft account signing in and that may give you some added functionality. Um, One table. So Windows and D is our next shortcut. And we mentioned this, Sharon, as being a throwback to, I think, Windows 98. I could be wrong. Maybe it's not as old as that, but I certainly remember it being around for a long, long time. Yeah, I, w I wouldn't be surprised, actually. Um, it was maybe the first Windows key shortcut. I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, Windows D is something I use all the time. Windows D gives you the desktop. So Windows D. Folder view list. NVDA not selected 10 of 16. 
and um, depending on your screen reader it may actually say desktop which is handy sometimes and once you're on, on the desktop you can press the first letter of maybe a shortcut or whatever's on your desktop however you have it set up um, and it's a handy way of getting to the, your most um, frequently used programs. It's really useful I think if you have a situation where you have a number of windows or programs or applications open at one time and you, know, you just want to quickly get back to your desktop to do something mm. else mm -hmm. uh, that Windows ND just brings you right back. Absolutely and um, some people actually use uh, and it's, it's best to talk about this at the same time as Windows D. Uh, some people use Windows M, which is for minimize all applications. So, um, for example, if I, I'll show you the difference. Sharon's shortcuts IT training without the mouse. Okay, so I'm on my website here. And if I do Windows M. Folder view list. And VDA not selected 10 of 16. That has gone to my uh, desktop in the same way as Windows D. If I do Windows M again, NVDA not selected 10 of 16. It stays on it's on the NVDA shortcut on my desktop. But if I do if I go back to my Sharon's shortcut website, so I'm focused on my website. I've just been using Alt Tab there. Now if I do Windows D, Boulder view list. NVDA not selected 10 of 16. It goes back to my desktop. And if I would do Windows D again. Sharon's shortcuts IT training without the mouse. Ah, it toggles between. Yes. So many a time people have asked me the difference between Windows D and Windows M, and that's it. I'm glad you've said that because I wondered that myself. So Windows and M might be better just to minimize everything and yeah. go back to your desktop. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And of course, M for minimize is a handy one to remember that. It is, yeah. And then D for desktop is, isn't bad either. <laughs> you know, I quite like um, shortcuts that are intuitive with the letter. Yeah. So um, I guess you, you're saying Windows D is very handy. Well, it is if you just want to flick to your desktop and then back to what you were doing. So, so that, that, that kind of works well. Absolutely. And I didn't know that you could flick, do a Windows D again as a toggle. So it's probably something that I will use mm. to get back to the application I was in previously. I often run things from the desktop. So I, I have lots of shortcuts. Yes. Or I tend to have shortcuts to folders. I think we talked about this a long time before as well on the desktop. And they, could, yeah. they wouldn't necessarily be on my computer. They could be cloud storage folders that right. I have mapped and that I can, you know, just pop into. So mm -hmm. um, that can be handy. So Windows and C for Cortana, Windows D for the desktop, and Windows and M to minimize um, and, and sort of, I suppose, keep us at the desktop. Windows and D will do the, the toggle. Yes, that's right. Yes. Brilliant. Sharon, thank you very much. Uh, we're no looking problem. forward to Windows E and, uh, that's another throwback, I think, to a while, <laughs> and uh, Windows and F uh, coming up uh, in May. But for yep. the moment, Sharon, thanks a million and look forward to chatting to you then. Thanks, Stuart. Bye for now. Now, 
if you've been looking at NCBI's website or in the last little while or indeed media coverage uh, in the last couple of weeks, you will be aware that tactile voting in the now upcoming referendum uh, is a reality and it's very exciting for us here in NCBI, something we've been talking about and campaigning on for a long time. And with me to tell me all about it is our Head of Communications, Fanula Murphy. Fanula, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks very much, Stuart. Great to have you back. Um, this is really exciting for NCBI. Yeah, it's great. It's something that we've been campaigning for for more than 10 years for accessible voting options for people who are blind or vision impaired. And really, this has all come about as a result of a case taken by Robbie Sinnott. Um, in 2014 which actually got to the court in 2016 um, so that really has been the driver behind all of this and got us to where we are today so the state have now put legislation in place to allow for the introduction of tactile ballot templates um, it's only the, the state's legislation that they put in place only covers referendum um, but we will be working with them further and the, the High Court judgment uh, will go has allowed it to go beyond that. Yeah, because I suppose that's, that's the thing people tend to say is it's great to have it for this, but if you have maybe a general election where you have 10 or 12 candidates, how might that happen? So yeah. it's something you're, you're thinking about. Exactly, so that requires more work. So the department really have been focused very much on getting this rolled out um, so we've we need to let that happen before we go back to them and talk about how do we roll it out further to general elections because it's it is a little bit more complicated but it's not impossible. Okay, so so just maybe talk us through the template, how it's going to work, and what will happen maybe when you go into your polling station because one of the things I was wondering was these templates obviously exist now. Do you have to sort of notify the, the, the polling station in advance that you're going to be coming, that they need to get a template, or will they be in every station? They're in every station. Um, so there's no notification required. All the presiding officers have been or will be trained in how to use them, and we've added some information from our end into that training that they're going to receive to try and make sure that it's accessible as possible. Um, so when you go into the polling station, you can request one. The presiding officer will... Uh, peel off a sticky strip on the back and stick it onto the paper and it's very easily removed from the paper so that it doesn't leave any mark or any trace. Um, there's a cutout on the top right hand corner so you can double check that uh, it's the right way up. Then the template itself has two cutouts uh, which are placed over the yes and no boxes. Then um, to the left of those is the text uh, for yes and kneel no and the same in braille underneath so and those the the lettering for thaw and for yes and no is in large black print and it's also embossed it's raised ah, up right okay so if, if you read braille obviously you have the braille letters mm. and if you don't read braille but you have some knowledge of print you have the uh, the embraced and the large print as well yeah so it's quite simple it's kind of an opaque um Plastic. So when you place it over the ballot paper, it, it, it sort of gets rid of the noise of the text. So you can just see yes, no, if, as you said, if you have some vision um, and the box where you're to, to place your mark. So it kind of simplifies it quite a lot. Now, a question that's come up in the last um, week or so for me is, is the question itself available uh, on the tactile? Okay, yeah. It's not because okay. we want to be able to reuse them in different Referendums okay. and in on, in previous occasions we've had to vote on more than one thing, so you'd need to be able to use the same template. The questions are available in large print, or the ballot paper, sorry, is available in large print at the station. We've asked them to make it available in braille, and the question will be 
widely publicised and will be available on referendum.ie. Absolutely, and it is. It will be online. And I suppose what you could do on the day, if you wanted, you could ask the person at the polling station to read the question for you and then they could walk away. Yeah, yeah. You are still entitled to assistance from the presiding officer as before, if that's your wish. And certainly they can read out the question and then you can proceed to the, the booth and okay. mark your ballot independently. It, it, it sort of, it, you know, I'm just kind of thinking about this and I suppose my personal experience of voting, and I'm sure loads of people are listening. Uh, indeed, the last time I was in a polling station, I just happened to go in at a really quiet time. So there was nobody around and there was a lady beside me who was helping me and it just felt very, I was trying to speak in a low voice and it's there's a very I think it's awkward for everyone involved Um, so people this is really significant isn't it it is yeah and I think you're right and you might not know is there somebody right beside you or you know the person who's helping you it's it's very hard to be discreet and to be quiet and they do tend to be sort of quiet places anyway Um, so I think this is really significant actually one thing I wanted to mention just so people are aware the department are not currently providing the template to people with the postal vote okay now, we can't do that because we can't get involved with people actually marking, casting their vote and marking their ballot. Um, so that's not something that we can get involved in. We're lobbying the department or the government to make sure that people with postal vote are included, but currently they're not. Okay. Um, so in terms of us telling people about it and people having a chance to try it, um, we're trying to get the word out as wide as possible. We've been doing national and regional press. We had an information session here in our head office earlier in the week and every NCBI office has a template. So just make contact with them if you want to try it out in advance. If anybody has any particular requests and would like to, can't get to an NCBI office, would like to see one and try one out, just get in contact and we can post one to them. Brilliant. And at time of recording, indeed, at the time you were listening to this podcast at the very beginning of April, uh, we have a referendum on the 25th of May. So you have about seven weeks, I suppose, to, to go and have a look at this. And it is, it's a really, and it, it, I suppose the great thing about it is you can look at it with very little assistance. It's very clear what's what by, by feeling this thing. I, I found it very clear. Anyway. Yeah, it is. It is quite simple to use. And I suppose it's worth saying that the government did consult us as they were uh, developing it um, and we we in turn consulted people who are blind or vision impaired so it's been out there a little bit people have had a chance to have uh, feedback on it um, so certainly if people wish to try it out I think it's definitely worthwhile and they will be reporting on the number of people who've used it so it's really worthwhile us being able to show that the demand that we've said was sure. there is yeah. is there. Yeah. So I think request it, use it if Ask you can. For it. Uh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. And if you want to see it in the meantime, contact your local NCBI office uh, or, as you said, people can, can make contact if they want one to be sent out. They can have a look at it themselves. Yeah, so they can contact me or Neve Connolly here at head office and um, we'll be more than happy to help them. Okay, Fanula, it's, I know it's a huge amount of work for all you guys. A great piece of work and well done. And extremely significant and I suppose this is the start of I suppose something bigger that over the next couple of years that we're going to see accessible voting whether that's uh, through more accessible papers uh, or something online who knows what the future is going to bring yeah absolutely Stuart great Fanula thanks thanks a million thank you many thanks there to Fanula Murphy our head of communications at NCBI that's such positive news isn't it this accessible voting template Uh, we're going to be going to the polls here in Ireland of course as we said on the 25th of May and to be able to go into a polling station and cast your vote in private is is really interesting. I was telling Fanula off air um, after we did that interview that I had um, occasion 
on, I think, the last general election, I was voting here in Dublin in my local polling station. The presiding officer was a lovely lady. She was very helpful. And we were going through the the list of people and um, I was telling her who I wanted to vote for. I think I picked three or four. I didn't go all the way down. And uh, she finished and she said, um, I picked the very same myself. And we both had a kind of an awkward laugh. And I remember thinking it was awkward for me and awkward for her. And then later on, I remember thinking, no, this is really bad. Like, you know, that we even had to have that conversation, that we had to have that kind of laugh. So uh, um, I think this new way for us to be able to vote, thanks to the, the great work of Robbie Sinnott and all the lobbying that, 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 that lots of different people have done over the last couple of years, is, is really good. And as Fanula says, make sure you request the template if you're, if you're going to your polling station, if you can do so, so that we can kind of say to the department afterwards, listen, there has been good uptake and this um, voting mechanism should be extended to other elections. So there you go. Uh, That's just about it for this month. Thanks to all our contributors, um, Anne-Marie Costello, Amy Hines-Fitzpatrick, Sharon Lyons and Fanula Murphy. And coming up on our May episode, amongst other things, we'll be hearing from a gentleman called Ki Kim, who has set up uh, a website dedicated to music technology for people with impaired vision. And Lucy Greco is back. If you remember, she was one of the people behind Dictation Bridge. More about that in May. Until then, have a great month. Don't eat all your Easter eggs at once. Uh, from Stuart Lawler and everybody else here at NCBI, take care and talk to you in May. Goodbye. Goodbye.